Chapter 7 Samudra Kumari As it turned out Vandyatevan didn't find it very difficult to while away the daylight hours half he spent in sleep the rest he mused pleasantly over the conundrum that was Pungurali What a strange girl to be sure such a pleasing beautiful name everything that was supple elegant and charming and then there was her character hard and utterly ruthless wait was she truly quite that cruel no there was some sweetness in her character as well but then just look at the way she described her leopard kill so matter of fact as though it was all in a day's work and yet why did she act and speak as though in a rage sometimes there was just a hint of madness in her that seemed well unnatural there ought to be some reason some depressing incident perhaps that had warped her mind or had it been a pleasant interlude after all who knew a woman could be a perfectly unreasonable lunatic regardless of pleasant or unpleasant incidents in her life or perhaps this one was just a freak of nature and her character had been shaped thus from birth not that he'd seen any such well abnormalities in her parents perfectly ordinary rather subdued characters weren't they lunatic natures apart why was she so concerned about him anyway why save him through the skin of her teeth from those paravur men and she's promised to ferry me to ilangai as well is there something else at work here has she an ulterior motive underneath all these caring impulses no couldn't be and yet why has she changed her mind what sort of repayment does she expect for her assistance she's promised to tell me later i wonder what it might turn out to be all this time as he poured lazily over these thoughts a part of his mind couldn't help but realize that pungurali had certainly been right about one aspect the forest did abound with unheard of commotion and upheaval horse hooves pounded men raised voices small jungle creatures scurried here and there terrified by the activity while birds screeched their alarm but there were moments of complete calm as well when the forest grew still it didn't take much for vandyatevan to comprehend that the pandemonium was on his account and all the direct result of the treachery of the physician's son what a prize idiot just hours after meeting pungurali he's decided that he's fallen in love with her ha a likely circumstance that why it was almost laughable like a tiny little pond reeking of scum and filth desperate to join hands with the glorious magnificent vadava mukagni or a squeaking rat daring to marry a ferocious magnificent lioness and yet wasn't it wonderful the way the girl had used this perfect specimen of stupidity the way she had taken advantage of his seething impotent lust hadn't she aroused a storm of jealousy in his heart within moments why she turned him into a treacherous bastard within the space of half an hour ago ah there was a great deal to be said of the power women harnessed within themselves one thing he'd have to admit to himself loath as he was to do so you'd preened yourself over your clever strategies hadn't you vandyateva he told himself wryly thought you were wonderful didn't you with your tricks and slippery tactics no one could beat you at sleight of hand 
but you have met your match here in this uncivilized wild girl roaming the forests ah her ruse to drag you away from the sea towards the concealed mandabam words couldn't do justice to her lightning swift thoughts and reflexes what do you think would have happened lad if she hadn't you'd have been arrested by the paruvur men of course and your precious important mission would have hung in tatters no he really couldn't afford to be quite so careless or unguarded any more the sun sank a fiery ball in the western sea and in kodikarai this is a splendid feat of nature not to be missed for the shore which runs south for a while suddenly turns and goes straight west a visitor to these parts therefore can stand atop a mount and gaze over a magnificent vista the sea spreading out in the east south and west during certain months it is even possible to witness both the sun and the moon one rising with dazzling splendor in the east and the other setting with a radiant glow to the west turning the seas into a heaving mass of molten gold vandyatevan felt an almost overwhelming desire to climb atop the mandapam and witness these sights but managed to exert his self control and decided against it darkness fell and in the forest its approach seemed swifter as it closed around in all four directions already swayed in gloom it was even worse as everything turned pitch black unable to bear the stifling darkness any more vandyatevan ventured out clambered atop the sandy mound that covered the mandapam and peered around the lighthouse flames burned bright in the distance while stars twinkled in the night sky bright as diamonds the forest abounded in sound once again this time of eerie night creatures there was a great deal of difference vandyatevan realized between the jungle clamor of day and that of night the screeches and whispers and murmurs during the latter seemed somehow so much more unnatural your heart raced with fear and your flesh prickled with sheer terror you could see a tiger in broad daylight and not feel a stab of panic and yet the slightest movement of a rat darting through the bushes at night was enough to set pulses racing with terror cuckoo cuckoo ah the nightingale's musical call fell on vandyatevan's ears like the welcome rush of divine song and he began to make his way towards it there pungureli had arrived don't make a sound she signed and he realized that the shore was very close a boat lay on the sands primed for journey the mast sail were in complete readiness and a rope used to bind them together lay coiled neatly within the small vessel had two protruding sticks as well and a large wooden plank was fitted onto them vandyatevan hastened forward in a bid to help her push the boat into the water keep your hands to yourself pungureli signed she maneuvered the boat with considerable deftness and eased it along the shore it slid into the sea without a sound vandyatevan came forward again to try and climb in pungureli stopped him hush wait a moment her voice was very low you can get in once we've gone a little further and she began to wade through the water dragging the boat along vallavarayan pushed it as well with the creditable intention of helping her but it seemed to have the opposite effect the boat came to a standstill why don't you keep your hands to yourself and just come along she chided him 
They went past the shore, where waves beat upon the sands. We are safe to get in now, Pungureli announced finally and clambered in first. Vandiyatevan made haste to do so as well, upon which the boat began to rock. So wildly, in fact, that it almost seemed as if he'd fall overboard. He managed to hold on somehow and righted himself. His heart did pound madly at the narrow escape, though. We can talk now, can't we? he asked. Of course, she said nonchalantly. If you've gotten over your attack of the trembles, that is. Trembles? What attack? That's just nonsense. I'm fine. If you say so. Don't we have to do something about raising the sail? We might become visible to the people on the shore if we did. That would make it easy for them to capture us. And what if they did? I'd smash my fist into their faces, wouldn't I? Vandyatevan announced grandiosely. There's absolutely no need for you to be afraid, my girl. And he embarked on a long and considerably embellished account of his various courageous feats. The wind's against us right now. Raising the sail might take us right back to the shore, Pungurili explained finally. It might change after midnight. That's when the sail is likely to be of use. Oh, well, in that case, Vandyatevan made a grand gesture of acceptance. You do seem to know what you're doing. Excellent. No wonder your father suggested that I choose you to ferry me. My father? Who are you talking about? Tyaga Vidanga Karayar, of course. The lighthouse keeper? I suppose he is, but only on land. Once I descend into the sea, though... Even your father's different, eh? Why, certainly. He's the lord of the ocean, Samutra Raja. Did you know that I have another name? Samudra Kumari, daughter of the oceans, hasn't anyone ever told you? I'm afraid not. Strange name though, isn't it? The Chakravarti's youngest son is called Ponni and Selvan, isn't he? A beloved title, isn't it? Mine's the same too. Vandyatevan's fingers felt along the cloth tied around his body, almost subconsciously. Everything is safe, I take it? asked Pungurali, who had noticed the gesture. What? Uh, what do you mean? The thing you've bound up so preciously within your waistcloth, of course. Vandyatevan almost jumped out of his skin. He stared at her, startled. The tiniest seed of suspicion began to germinate deep within. Pungureli, however, didn't seem to find anything amiss. She was handling the oars strongly as she carried on a conversation. The boat cleaved easily through the water. When will we reach Ilangai, do you think? Vandyatevan asked her. When dawn breaks, if there's two of us paddling, that is, and the wind has to do its part too, then let me help, why don't you? I'm not the kind of man who'd let you do all the work. He gripped the oar beside him, plunged it into the water and tried to paddle. But ah, this looked a lot easier than it actually was. Handling oars was certainly no mean task. It required a great deal of strength. Under his incompetent hands, the craft simply swung around in an arc, whirr, and shuddered to a stop. Why? What is this? Why won't the boat move now? It seemed fine when you used the oars. I'm Samudra Kumari, aren't I? Now just sit in your place and keep still. I've sworn to take you to Ilangai somehow and I'll make sure I keep my word. There, will that do? Vandyatevan subsided, abashed. Only a little, though. 
and for a very brief moment. Soon he began to look around in earnest. The sticks and plank tied to the boat caught his attention. What are these for? For balance, so the boat doesn't rock too much. Oh, good grief! Is there anything even worse than the rocking now? I'm getting giddy here. Isn't it flinging itself about enough? You think this is choppy? You ought to go out in a boat during the months of Aipasi Kartikai, when Vade winds blow. That'll show you turbulence. From the shore, the sea termed a calm, tranquil place, almost like a silver sheet that covered a vast surface up to the horizon. On it, however, Vandiyathevan realized that the opposite was true. The surface was continuously being broken by waves. Small, formless waves that swung the boat up and down, up and down, like a cradle. What happens to this plank if there's a gale? Depends on the gale. Stiff winds don't do much damage as a rule. The planks hold on. But if there's a really big wind, like a storm perhaps, or even a cyclone, the boat might capsize and we'll have to be careful not to untie the plank from the boat. It's the only thing that might help us hold on and survive in the water. Ayyo, is that even possible for the boat to capsize? Severe whirlwinds can toss and splinter even huge ships to pieces. What of our tiny vessel then? What's, what are, what are whirlwinds? Don't tell me that you don't know what those are. Well, it happens when winds from one direction collide with winds from another. We have kondal winds here during the months of Thai and Masi. Those are perfectly harmless and you can take a boat from Kodikare to Ilangai with ease. Make it there and back within the night. Vaikasi month though, you have the Choraga winds and it gets a bit difficult to get to Ilangai then. We are now in between the Choraga and Vade season. Wind and wind might collide sometimes and gales could whip the sea like when you beat milk for curds. Waves the height of mountains rise on the surface and there are enormous troughs that gape open like deep valleys and the water whirls and swirls around them. And God help us if the boat ever happens to get caught in a churning whirlpool like that because that would be the end of us. Arohara! Terror seized Vandyatevan abruptly and suspicion too at that very moment. Ayyo! he yelled. I'm not going, not going. Please, take me back to shore. What are you blathering on about? Shut up. Close your eyes if you're that afraid. Or better still, sleep. The germ of suspicion had taken frightening root now. Every one of his worst doubts was being proven right. You evil woman! Devil! You're trying to drown me! That's why you're taking me out to sea. If I fall asleep, that'll make your job easier, wouldn't it? Good God! What madness is this? I'm not, I'm not mad. Stop the boat, stop it, or I'll jump into the sea. Do by all means, but before you jump, kindly give me the ole I meant for Punni and Selvan. Oh ho, what do you know about that? I opened the waist cloth you hold on to so carefully at all times, that's how. You didn't really think I'd ferry just anyone from Kodikarai, did you? Without knowing their identity or destination? Of course I did, this morning, sitting atop the tree. And I read that precious ole. Which? And I've come all the way here, trusting you. Are you going to turn the boat around or not? Common sense seems to hang in tatters. A sudden burst of insane fury seized him, 
almost overpowering Vandya Teval. Turn the boat, he screamed, casting all semblance of normalcy to the winds. Turn the boat! Turn it! I really do think Kundave Pirati committed a grave error of judgment, Pungurili said, almost conversationally. Imagine trusting someone like you with neither wit nor presence of mind to accomplish a mission as important as this one. Where did her wits go begging? Ha! Huh, you know even that, do you? You know who gave me the olay? You're wicked, evil, all through. Will you turn the boat? Or I warn you, I'll jump. Go right ahead, was Pungurali's jovial answer. Sanity had taken complete leave of Vandya Tevan. Pungurali's words were the final straw. He lost his head and jumped into the ocean. Somewhere in the back of his mind, the one that retained useful information was the reassuring thought that the sea was very shallow around these parts. He was in no danger. That was until he actually did fall into the sea, wallowed in the water, and found that his feet didn't strike sand. There was no ocean floor here. They'd managed to come to the open sea by this time. The ocean here was deep, very deep. Realization struck. He screamed long and loud with the full pitch of his lungs. By this time, he'd learned to swim, or something like it anyway. His inherent fear of the water remained, however, and terror paralyzed his limbs, sapping his strength, leaving him helpless. A river or pond was different. The shores or banks were always visible and you could take heart from that. There was hope of rescue there. But this, this was the sea. Water, water and nothing but water everywhere in all four directions. The ocean wasn't especially choppy, but there were small waves which raised him up one moment and flung him into a crevasse the next. Ah! 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 He screamed when he came up once. The boat was clearly visible. It vanished from his gaze, however, when he went down. The sea closed in around him. All he could see was a dark, gloomy wall of water. His tongue lost the ability to move. He couldn't even scream. The third time a wave threw him up, it seemed that the boat had moved even farther away. That was it then. He was going to die right here, in this vast ocean. His mind seemed to give up. This is going to be my watery grave, he thought. Not just for me, but my waistcloth and the ole bound up in it as well. Kundavai's face swam in front of his mind's eye at that moment. What have you done? Her eyes seemed to ask, brimming with reproach. Ah, oh, the fantasies I cherished. All those marvellous castles in the air. Why, I hope to restore the magnificent Varner clan to its glory someday, that I might ascend a gleaming, richly decorated throne, set with precious gems, with Ilaya Pirati at my side, a vision of beauty. And now, all that is gone, Ruined because of this wretched, wretched girl. No, not a girl. She is the devil incarnate, a demon who paraded in the guise of a woman, a spy of those evil parivetarias. No, a devoted servant of that beautiful witch Nandini, probably. I may not survive this blasted ocean, but if I ever manage to get my hands on this demon girl, why waste my last moments on earth thinking murderous thoughts? I may as well meditate on the divine, that I may attain a better fate. Umabadi, Parameswara, 
Lord of Parani, Perumale, you who guarded the world, resting upon the Milky Way. Princess Kundabai, forgive me, for I am dying without having completed the task which you entrusted me. Wait, there's that boat again. Oh, if only I could wrap my hands around that demon girl's throat. It couldn't be said that Vandya Tevan's dramatic plunge into the ocean ruffled Pungurili much. Not at first, anyway. She sat in the boat for a while after he vanished, rather negligent to be honest. Confident that he would flounder for a while, gulp a few mouthfuls of seawater and then eventually clamber into the boat somehow. It won't hurt for him to stew in his juices a little, she grinned, and even rowed a bit so the distance between him and the boat widened. She realized her mistake soon enough. The man can't swim well at all, she thought, and her heart sank. And if he is terrified, all those unearthly ahs and ohs aren't fake. He really is floundering. No, he's not doing this just to rattle me. He's going to start swallowing seawater soon at this rate and sink even more quickly. And worse, his body would be practically impossible to find. Chichi, what an idiot I've been. I started this as a joke just to tease him and now it looks like it will end up in disaster. I ought to have kept my mouth shut until we reached the shore at least. Certainly not given away the fact that I knew his precious secret. Now I've likely ruined everything. And yet, who would have thought the ruffian would do something this insane? A man like him to be terrified of the water? Well, it was beyond anything, wasn't it? How could I have anticipated this? The next time Vandya Tevan was thrown up by the waves and appeared in her line of sight, she took action and began to row the boat in his direction. In moments, she was almost by his side. Get in, she called out. Come on now. Vandya Tevan, however, seemed lost to the world. He didn't seem capable of hearing her words or even if he did, it was doubtful if he possessed the strength to actually swim over and get into the boat. All his faculties, especially sight and hearing, seem to have been completely suspended. Except for one. Screaming. He could and did raise one hand above the choppy water, raised his head and gave vent to a shrill, inhuman yell. Ah! That, Pungureli realized swiftly, was the cry of a man who had given up all hope of being rescued of even making it out of this desperate situation alive. The broken, terrified scream of a man who knew himself to be forsaken. The Pirai moon's pale beams fell on his face as he raised it from the water and she caught a glimpse for a brief moment. There was no doubt that this was the face of a man who had taken leave of sanity. Sheer numb terror had twisted his features and his eyes blazed with mindless panic. There was no point in expecting him to climb into the boat of his own volition. I'll have to drag in him myself, she thought. How wonderful of you to have brought this all upon yourself, my girl. There's a lot of merit to the saying, females lack foresight. To think was to act. Pungureli did several things in short order within the next few moments. She untied the rope coiled within the boat to raise the sail, tied it firmly to the plank, secured the boat and fastened it to the other end of her own waist. 
Then she plunged neatly into the ocean, swam with deft strokes towards Vandiyatevan, approached him close enough to reach out with her hands, and stopped. Vandiyatevan had seen her, and his eyes blazed with sheer, unadulterated, murderous rage. Pungurali's thoughts raced at the speed of lightning. Experience had taught her exactly what people such as this, numb with the exhaustion of battling waves and about to drown, could do. They tended to clutch the neck or shoulders of those who came to their rescue. Panic blinded their minds and they usually ended up preventing their would-be rescuers from dragging them ashore. The instinct for survival gave them the strength of an elephant and they gripped their saviors so tightly that the latter were in danger of drowning themselves. Even competent swimmers couldn't free themselves or swim away, both ending up at the bottom of the ocean. Pungurali knew all this, of course, and came to a decision within moments. She treaded water, approaching Vandyatevan, battling for his life just a little closer. By now, she was very near his head. Using just one hand to swim, she curved the fingers of the other into a fist and reared back. Gathering all her strength, she brought her fist towards his face. The punch exploded between Vandyatevan's nose and forehead. Years of rowing across choppy seas had strengthened her hands incredibly. Her fist smashed into his face like Vajrayudam and his head seemed to splinter into a thousand pieces. His eyes fractured into ten thousand painful fragments. Each piece seemed to dazzle and blind him like a hundred thousand jagged shards of lightning. Samudra Kumari's terrifying face appeared on each splintered piece deafening him with a series of terrifying cackles. <laughs> Just like the demon she was, his eardrums seemed to rupture into a bloody mess as the laughter amplified and almost drove him to madness like a thousand, ten thousand, no, a hundred thousand murderous ghosts out for his soul. Then, nothing. His sight failed. So did his hearing. He lost consciousness. There was nothing now but darkness, inky pitch blackness, and an endless stifling silence. <laughs>